Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Adults, human beings have an attention span of about only 15 uh, minutes or 20 minutes. After that, you lose your attention span, you lose your efficiency, you lose your focus. So instead of reading from the 10th row, they'll be reading from the 11th row and there will be cumulative error that has been introduced. Hello and welcome all to the Women Who Code uh, podcast and the topic for today's discussion is RPA machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence and automation, process automation in general. Uh, I am Preeti Tukaram. Um, uh, I have about 15 years of experience in software. I started as a developer, basically as a C-sharp developer. I'm an engineer. I have a degree in electronics and communication. But I started uh, my first career in software development and I have been focusing um, roles from a developer into a program analyst program management, product management, and so on. I moved into the RPA and automation space around 2015-16 when there were the initial uh, conversations around automation and how we can improve the work culture of people and business processes in general. Since then, I've been associated with automation and it has progressed. Today, we have a lot of AI and ML, which I will be speaking to you as we progress into the call. And I am the associate director in uh, called Invenix Services Limited and uh, Invenix Limited, we are, uh, the headquarters is in UK. Um, we have offshore centers in Canada, India and other places. Uh, I head the service line for automation here with a number of excellent people. Uh, we have teams of developments and sales uh, who report to me. So diving directly into the topic. So basically, uh, I will start with, uh, uh, you know, introducing uh, what is automation. So the story of automation, we call it. So uh, where this begins um, is uh, all of us are aware that there was this assembly line, uh, uh, you know, kind of work that was there. People used to fill cans, uh, you know, cans of fish, cans of beans, uh, you know, long ago. Uh, this was an assembly line uh, infrastructure where people used to work like machines. But this was replaced shortly by robots, physical robots. You had robots, you would have seen pictures of robots, you know, filling cans and filling, uh, uh, you know, cakes and creams and such. So what this meant to the physical world that day was they improved on the time. Uh, robots could do work much faster than human beings. It could do it more accurately. It could do it over time, overnight. Uh, there was no need for sick leave or there was no, you know, people fainting on the jobs and creating a break in the assembly line. So efficiency uh, was improved. So this was what brought about uh, the robots and how physical automation came up. This people are familiar with. But this led to the discussion about how we can do business process automation as well. The reason for this uh, are many. There are many reasons. One primary reason that you know uh, brought about this uh, innovation and this uh, thought process was uh, there were a lot of clerks and uh, you know uh, people um, in the data entry sector who were uh, basically not using their intelligence. What they would do is read data and type in data. Uh, without using any human intelligence. Basically, they were doing a robotic work. They were working as robots. So they would read data from invoices. They would read data from Excel files. They would read data from, um, you know, other systems, probably other interfaces, whatever they be. They had no idea what this data represented. There used to be huge volumes of such data, records spanning thousands of, uh, you know, rows. They would just read it and type it. Come in the morning, 8 o'clock, 
So leave out at five and throughout the day, you type in data from one uh, interface, maybe paper, maybe another uh, system, maybe uh, uh, an image file from somewhere they used to type this data. What this meant is low quality of work for the person who was doing this job. And when you continuously keep doing this kind of mundane job, you introduce human errors. Human beings have an attention span of about only 15 uh, minutes or 20 minutes. After that, you lose your attention span, you lose your efficiency, you lose your focus. So instead of reading from the 10th row, they'll be reading from the 11th row and there will be a cumulative error that has been introduced. So this later will be identified by a supervisor or a manager. They will come back and do all the re-entry. They will have to delete these processes. Again, there's a lot of overhead. So low quality of work, tedious work, um, low efficiency of work because of introduction of manual errors, and uh, high risks. Sometimes if this data, for example, let's imagine that this data represented the mark scores of a, a few candidates for an exam and they were you know, entering it into the result system. So if they were entering data scores for candidates and if this person, you know, after entering hundreds of students on the 200 student, if they just made a mistake, it meant that you were entering marks that were scored by another candidate. And this could mean a lot of, uh, you know, um, uh, changes, risks, and errors, and if not uh, noticed, this could also mean a huge loss for the uh, real business user, that is the candidate himself, where he would have received scores which did not mean for him. Sometimes errors are caught, sometimes they cannot even be caught. So given all these kind of issues and the cost involved uh, in, you know, repairing these issues when they occur, uh, was so huge and the inefficiency and then not being able to identify these issues were so huge that we thought uh, automation could be a solution where machines can be made to work like machines and humans can use their intelligence for validating, approving escalations. Probably the robot could not, you know, uh, do a particular entry. Then a human being would step in. That would be an escalation. Probably a robot needs a judgment. He cannot make out if the score is 25 or 55. Probably the numbers look very similar. That's when a human needs to step in because his intelligence is required there. So probably uh, there is some, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, infrastructure issue where a human being needs to step in. So these are the various areas where a human being could step in. Otherwise, he could take a step back and the robot, the programs themselves can do a lot of work. This is how automation was envisioned way back. A few years ago. And once they envisioned this, they started it off in a very low scale and they started by doing small programs where they could read information. So this is the story of automation. The main aim of this was to improve the quality of work, to improve efficiency, to reduce risks uh, and to reduce cost, uh, basically to add value to work and make it more interesting to human beings. So this was the story of automation. Now, going into uh, RPA. So the RPA stands for Robotic Process Automation. What this means is, uh, I mentioned physical robots, right? But these are not physical robots. These are software robots. Essentially, they're software programs written in a particular software. There are a number of vendors today out in the market. Uh, if you just do a Google search, you'll get a lot of vendors out there uh, who are uh, you know, releasing softwares for RPA. Uh, most of them offer a free academy. Uh, which is the learning center where uh, most of the women or uh, men who are watching this program can go and uh, register themselves for free 
there are courses offered at a beginner level, advanced level, um, you know, intermediate level where you can, you know, go through the courses. They're free of cost. You can train yourselves, build these programs, see what they can do for you. And if you're really interested, you know, you can continue on with the advanced courses, like I said. Uh, most of the software vendors offer the similar uh, features uh, with a little bit of differences here and there. What they allow you to do is to build a software program called as a robot. This software program will run on a machine and it will do the task that a human being would do. So a robotic process automation means building a software program that emulates the behavior of a human being in interacting with systems. So that's the definition. And uh, what this means is, for example, I'm going to do a uh, login uh, and I'm going to create a uh, login to a particular website, create a, you know, uh, go and enter some forms, some personal details are there associated with myself. Uh, once my profile is created, I'm going to go and read some information and collect some data. Now, this would be a task that I would have to do. And if I were to, uh, you know, given my profile, I need to do this every day. For example, if I am in Forex, I'm in a bank and I need to see the Forex rates every day. Every day the rates changes based on the markets, the equities. So what this means is I need to come in every day and log into this equity screen and then go and look at the, the current rate on that day, the Forex rate. And then I'll have to copy that down and then probably continue with my task. Now, this is a task that is repetitive, which has to be done every day. It is rule-based. What I mean by rule-based is I always log into the same website. I always use my same credentials to log in. I always access the same, uh, you know, probably the currency uh, and find the Forex rate for that. I always download it into the same location, most probably uh, a similar location with a date, uh, which the folder might have or the file might have a different date. So still it's rule-based. So it's rule-based. It's repetitive and uh, it takes time and it's uh, totally inefficient. Every day morning I can come in, I can, you know, add value to my job by talking to my, uh, you know, colleagues and create a relationship or call my customer and have a, you know, a morning greeting while my robot can do this. So I can create a software program that can log in on my behalf, can access the website, download the currency rate, save it in my file. And then, you know, once it's done, I can start my daily job and it will take one third. Uh, there is a, a small study done. It can do it faster, but most of the business processes, depending on its complexity, if it's medium complex, it takes one third of the time that I would take as a human being. So it is going to do it very fast and it's going to do it very accurately. It's not going to make any mistakes. Sometimes, you know, in the morning, if I'm woozy, I'm going to enter some wrong credentials, go to the wrong website. It's, none of that is going to happen. It's going to be hugely, uh, you know, um, efficient, quick and efficient. So this, I could also schedule it. So which means every day at nine o'clock when I log in, the robot runs and it does this job for me. This is a simple task. So what is the difference between a normal program and an RPA? The difference between a normal program and an RPA is a normal program works like software. That is, it work, two softwares communicate between themselves uh, as programs, right? So uh, they will pass some parameters, they will require some data, they will, you know, communicate through APIs, probably they do this. But what RPA does is it will interact with the system like how a human being would do. What I mean is it will go and click the way I would click. So it takes control of my keyboard, it takes control of my mouse or any of the interactive systems that I'm using. It will go via the same graphical user interfaces, GUI, that a human being would need to interact with the systems. And then it will 
enter the data in a similar way. It will capture the data in a similar way as a human being would do. What this means is, uh, this is called as cognitive automation. Uh, you would have heard the terms. What this means is, uh, we use the term, uh, the technology called as computer vision. So there are certain things like uh, many of you would know what an uh, OMR is, an optical um, uh, image reading. Then there's an OCR, which is optical character reading. So what these technologies mean is the software robots will use these technologies to read the characters, to read the images as a human being would read it. So if there is text on the uh, web page or a text on a particular system, it will read it recognize it like how a human being would do and then analyze the data the way you've written it in the program and then it will use it the way you interact. So it uses a technology, uh, these kind of technologies for cognitive automation. This is the first uh, simple use case where you can have a user, a robot uh, do the action of a human being emulating the human being's interaction with the user interface. There could be another example for an RPA. Uh, for a robotic process automation. Now, this process, uh, uh, let me explain the process first. So probably you're visiting a number of websites, right? And you're making a comparison. You're buying a mobile phone. So you would like to know uh, how many mobile phones are available in the market. What are the prices of these mobile phones? Then uh, eBay is offering a particular offer maybe for a used phone or Amazon is having a package where if you buy a phone within a particular day, you're going to get a discount. And then there's particular, probably another website somewhere uh, who's offering you two phones for the price of one. So you would like to make a comparison across these various uh, offers in the market. You would like to make a comparison of the features against the price. Uh, you would like to know if this phone is available in your region if it's available in the color you want, in the specs you want, uh, and how quickly the delivery will happen. Is it a door-to-door -door delivery? Do you have to pick up? So where is all this information present? It is present on the websites. On each individual website, there are probably, you're looking at three or four. Let's limit our business case. There are hundreds of web case, uh, websites today offering these services, but probably you are in a region and you're looking at five websites. Five websites, if you go and put the search for a mobile phone of a particular model and a spec or a cost budget or a range, you're going to get at least 100 searches. Okay, so 500, five, uh, one web page having 100 search list, five pages like this, so 500. That many rows of data you have, minimum. And it's going to be presented in varied fashion. No two websites will offer you in a similar format. There might be similarities, like they all offer it, but the way they present it, the price may be in, uh, you know, a particular currency, some of them in US dollars, some of them in GBP, some of them in some other local currency, some of them will have VAT added, not VAT added, then some have images of their uh, phone, uh, some have videos of their phone, you know, embedded along with it. Uh, then the offers, the discounts, you know, they're all different for different websites. Now it's going to be heavy, very, very tedious for you to you know, go through these individual images and individual rows to assess the data, it's going to be very tedious. If this was for a company, as an individual, it's going to be tedious and at some point you will take a call. But if this was for a company, um, a particular person will be associated to do this task. If you're buying this company, uh, this phone for the company, a person will be associated. This person would probably you know, type down all this information from various websites into an Excel sheet. And then, you know, he would do a sort on the Excel sheet based on the price or based on the, you know, discount or something. And then he will present it to the uh, 
procurement, the supply chain, whoever it is, to say that this is the best few phones that come up on the top after the analysis and then uh, please go ahead and make an approval. Now, this person would have spent about eight hours, probably a day, uh, you know, uh, with him to do this. Five pages, 500 rows, he has to type into it, he has to sort it out and present it. He will take a day to do this. Now, an RPA can do it in 20 minutes or probably in 15 minutes or even lesser if the program is written in a very uh, efficient manner, in a very optimized manner, you can do it even faster. What this means is once you create, uh, you train the robot, right? You don't do a lot of work. You just train the robot by giving it the various websites and uh, you run the robot. The robot will go and access, when I say robot, it's a software program. It will go and access these websites on your computer. The runtime is on your computer, so it's going to access this on your desktop. It's going to do something called as data scraping. You must have heard of this terminology. So it will scrape the data. Uh, as the word suggests, it will, uh, you know, cut the data. Basically, it's called scraping. It cuts the data out of the, uh, kind of copies the data uh, as is on the GUI, and then it will download it. It can download it into an Excel file. You can direct it to download it to a uh, CSV file, into a text file, in a database. Wherever you want to place the data, you can place the data. And this will happen within, uh, you know, probably 10 minutes or 15 minutes of your time. Sorted, cleaned, uh, placed in a particular nice structured columns and rows manner, which is human readable. And then you have everything you want. So data scraping. It gives you a lot of options. Today, most of the software programs, you know, have data scraping. Uh, the AIs have data scraping in, involved with that because what they do is they kind of scrape data from different uh, systems. Sometimes you need information, bits and pieces of information from various websites. You're going to apply to, uh, you know, um, you're planning a travel trip maybe. Then you need to know about the ticketing information available from a web, uh, you know, an airplane website. You need a hotel's information from a hotel's website. You need to know the things that you, you know, sightseeing from uh, some other, you know, lonely planet or somewhere who's uh, trip advisor who's telling you which are the best locations that you need to see. So different websites um, have different pieces of information. So what you could do is create the robot, direct them to these websites, collect all these different snippets of information, put them out into a single file. Have a look at it, one single vision and call it. Make a human judgment. That is where your uh, time is spent. Your time is not spent in collecting this data and organizing it. As a human being, your time is required to make the judgment. Let's look at the presented information in a structured manner and then make a decision. So this is data scraping and how that would help uh, you to improve your quality of work, your quality of life in general. Then... Uh, there is another, uh, uh, you know, very interesting uh, uh, use case. Uh, I, I spoke about UI automation. What is UI automation? Is like I said, in the case of uh, data entry, in the case of, you know, education sector, you have students joining every year. You want to enter their entire personal details into the data system, the student network. You want the syllabus to be in, entered. You need to assign coursework to these particular students. You can create the robot. It will make the data entry by reading their you know, individual applications. It will make the data entry. Then it will create their setup, their student login. It will email to them the entire end-to-end -end automation. Once the student submits his application, you can read the personal details. The robot will enter it into the system, create his login, create his, uh, you know, assign his syllabus, and send out an email along, uh, you know, with a copy to his teachers at his head of the department. 
So this is done. It's uh, already in production in many of the you know um, places around. You'll be seeing it happen uh, in uh, real time scenarios. And this is done within um, a data protection environment. The cloud, wherever it runs, is uh, protected. There is. Uh, um, you know, it is a secure environment. It can be authorized. The robot will have access to only the data present in that particular environment. It cannot access data from elsewhere. You can, you know, restrict the robot. It's not that when once you run the robot, you train it, it's going to, you know, access data from everywhere. That's not the case. You have the full, um, you know, rights, rules, authorization, authentication, where you can, you know, set everything up so that the robot runs in a secure manner, in a secure environment, and accesses data as action policies. So that's done. There's also very interesting areas that RPA is used these days. Uh, you might be, some of you might have looked at it, and that is communications mining. So how, what is communication mining is, you have huge communications happening, right, on emails, on chat channels, on social media, is where people are communicating. So when people are communicating, they're trying to actually say something. There are so many things associated in your communication. You have greetings, then you have some requests, then you have some, uh, you know, uh, you start with a context. Probably you have two different topics in a single mail where you say, um, you know, uh, having said that, I'm going to speak about another topic. So in a single mail, you would have spoken about a leave request, probably you would have also spoken about the project. A human being can do this kind of, uh, you know, demarcation, can read between the data and such. These days, we have AI, you know, embedded into it so that it can understand the, from the nuances of the communication that we do, uh, what is being said, how it is being said, to whom it is being said. It is being, is it being addressed to the sender? Is it from the sender? Is it being uh, meant to the addressee or is it just a community is it just a, a news item and a reference point is it not something that uh, an action needs to be taken upon these kind of intelligence can be built into the robot and uh, communication sectors and uh, communication mining is very important because we don't need to spend hours reading through emails once you set up this robot it can you know if an action has to be taken it will pull that out and tell you Parts of it can already be seen in, you know, if you're using uh, Office 365 or if you're using any of your you know, tools, you will be seeing, you know, uh, uh, applications these days are uh, tell, giving you some information, some intelligence saying, uh, this is something, your task is pending, do you want to complete it? How they do it is they mine the data that, you know, and they go through that huge volumes of data to identify the action items inside that. Similarly, uh, more interesting aspect of the companies or organizations in general, large organizations is process mining. So what is happening in process mining is uh, an organization will, un any organization uh, will, uh, whatever sector it be, will have a huge business process. When you say a huge business process, it will start somewhere. Probably they'll have a supply chain, they'll have to procure some materials, then they make some product out of it, then they have to market this product, then they'll have to sell this product. And after they sell this product, they have to, you know, get a, a revenue, they'll have a purchase order, then they'll have a sales order associated with the sales part, then they'll have to reconcile the two, and they'll have to see if they make a profit. Generally, uh, this is the trend. Uh, it may vary in bits and pieces depending on the sector. If it's software sectors, it's slightly different. If it's manufacturing, it's slightly different. 
Um, so, but overall, the process spans across departments. What we mean is, it spans. Uh, there is an inventory uh, list where they, you know, they know what all they hold. Then there is a procurement channel: how many suppliers you have and from whom you buy. And then there is a marketing department. You know, whom you, uh, how you market this product. And then there's a sales department: how it sell, does the selling. And then um, in between, you have the whole manufacturing unit. If it is a, a physical product or if it's a software services like my company, we have a development teams, we have a deployment teams who create these solutions and who deploy them. This, this many number of teams need to work in tandem to get this, uh, you know, every month uh, over the course of financial year, all the teams have to work in collaboration with each other. Now they're doing so, but they... Way they do it is per department. Probably this first department has an Excel sheet and they're holding all their data about the suppliers in an Excel sheet. The second department is a little bit clever. They're using a database and they're having all their information in a database. Third department does not use an Excel sheet or a database. They have, you know, kind of word to mouth probably. Everything is communicated by phone or chat or elsewhere. So data is used. Uh, data is there, but it is used in silos. So they use it in a department in a silo. They use it in different formats, in different applications, in different ways. As a result of this, what happens is most of them will be using the same data, but since they are not passing it in a consistent manner, in a structured manner, you will have to redo that work. So if they are presenting it in an Excel file and you, you can't use that in your application, you'll have to retype it into this application. You are presenting it in a database and those people cannot use it, then they'll have to convert it into by using some other program. So there is a lot of inefficiency, work, uh, a lot of redo of work that is done, time-based, uh, data is lost in the process or data is misread uh, in this process. So to remove this efficiency, what we do is we install a robot uh, that does process mining. What it does is, is understands the process that runs in this particular organization. It finds better pathways, better routes, more efficient routes to achieve the same end goal. So a single supplier, uh, you know, a department can send supplier informations to the suppliers, probably to the management, probably to the marketing, probably to the um, development, the uh, assembly line people. So different people, a single uh, com communication can be sent. How this can be identified is by using these robots to know where the loopholes exist, where the blockers are, and ease up the channel and create a better, uh, the shortest path mechanism, we call it the most efficient path. So process mining, especially for large organizations, where a number of departments are there, that will be the, uh, it's being used today and just showing a lot of efficiency, reduction in cost and uh, reduction of risks and improved efficiency and uh, stop people doing tedious work, repetitive manual tedious work. So basically, I, I, I've given you a lot of information about what is RPA, where it can be used, the different business use cases, et cetera. And uh, I've also mentioned some of the, you know, the tools and technologies available in the market that you can Google out and there's free resources everywhere. Uh, so you can use all of them to learn. What you need is basically, of course, you need to have a course plan and a program where you can go through and learn. It's available in many um, if you just go and Google, you'll find a lot of information on the internet. But apart from that, just some basics, what you need is you need an, uh, like any software that you 
built, you need an environment, uh, development environment. It's called an IDE where you can go and type in this code. These days, uh, there is a low-code version for most, almost all RTA softwares have this low-code version where you can drag and drop the activities. You don't need to write code. Previously, um, until uh, about a year or uh, and a half ago, you had to write code, but these days, low-code is so much uh, in place that you can just drag and drop these activities and uh, you can read an Excel file, an activity to read an Excel file, an activity to convert an Excel file into a PPT, an activity to you know send an email. So they're all just activities, drag and drop these activities, show them where, uh, to whom to send the mail or to which uh, file to be converted into a PPT, how many slides you wanna convert this PPT into, just indicate those single parameters, simple parameters, and it will create it for you. So you need an IDE, it has a low code option, Anybody who has very little coding experience, who's not from a technical background, who's not from a um, you know computer science background, who has not done any web development, can start using this. If you are a business developer, if you are a small and medium enterprise, if you're doing your own accounting, you can you can start doing uh, this kind of uh, robot creation. If you are into media, social media, you want to you know collect information from various websites, you can create this using a simple uh, low code solution. Um, for people who are a little more, uh, you know, um, interested and who have a little more uh, expertise in using applications, you can run different robots and you can make these robots interact with it. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash womenwhocode. Thanks again for listening and remember, to subscribe, rate, and comment.